Welcome to Without the Hustle, the podcast that aims to equip you with everything you need to start and grow your business on the side without the hustle. I'm Emily Tyson. I'm a side business coach based in London. I have a background in marketing and I've had three side businesses while working full time. I'm a huge advocate for the anti-hustle approach to building a business because I personally know what it's like to have a chaotic, stressful full-time job while trying to build a business on the side and build a future for yourself. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Without the Hustle. Today I'm joined by Harriet Osborne, who is a freelance writer and a storyteller for purpose-driven brands. Harriet's also one of my best friends and she is my accountability buddy. Harriet has a podcast called the Anti-Hustle Hustle Club. So it was great to get her thoughts on anti-hustle, all things anti-hustle, what it means to her. And she also shares some amazing life lessons from some of the guests that she's had on the podcast. So I hope you enjoy today's episode and let's get into it. So for context for everyone who is listening, I want to just talk about how we met Harriet. So we met while we were interning for free in London at Company Magazine. If anyone remembers Company Magazine, (laughs) we started, I think we had both just moved to London and we were starting our career in fashion. And yeah, we've been friends ever since. And now we both run our businesses and we are accountability buddies as well. So we we chat every week, we have a Zoom call and we just hold each other accountable for any actions that we set. And it's just great to chat, isn't it really? Just chat about what we're going through, anything that comes up, we can soundboard off each other. And I mean, you have just been such a help to me building my business and keeping me going. So yeah. Thank you for that. And vice versa. (laughs) So can you give us a little intro as to who you are, what you do? Tell us your journey. Yeah, of course. So um, thank you for that really nice intro, by the way. Um, So as Emily was saying, I am um, a journalist. I started my career working at magazines. I now specialize in storytelling for purpose-driven brands. So what that means is everything I do starts with a conversation. So that could be with brand founders, ambassadors, athletes, to find out how they took a risk often to carve out a life and career that they love. I also co-host a podcast with my friend and founder of Motion Nutrition, Joe Wellstead. Our podcast and book in progress is called The Anti-Hustle Hustle Club, and it's about smart approaches to work and life. So I very much resonate with what you're doing with Without the Hustle, and I'm really looking forward to talking about anti-hustle with you today. Yeah, I love your podcast so much. (laughs) I actually um, just listened to the latest episode with Katie McBratney. And (laughs) she says something that you also posted on Instagram, which was how many opportunities have you missed because you were too busy to notice. So Mm -hmm. slow down and pay attention. And that really spoke to me. Mm. I know, definitely. She was amazing. So she is the co 
co-founder of an app called Own Trail, and it's about celebrating sort of life events, but also work events within the same context, because I don't think work and life should be treated as two separate entities. I think they are one of the same and, and she sort of celebrates that as well. So she was a really inspiring person to speak to. Um, so thank you for listening to that episode. Oh, I love that as well. Cause we talk about that a lot as well and just kind of incorporating life with business. And mm. I remember actually um, a little while ago, a few months ago, we were talking about going on holiday and working from there, having like a kind of working holiday. And we were both kind of struggling with that um, learnt behavior, shall we say, of feeling guilty for like taking time off, but then feeling guilty for like not working while we're away. And then we just got to the point where we're like, no, you know what? We love what we do. And actually we love working. So why not spend, you know, an hour in a morning, just getting some stuff done for our business and then enjoy the rest of the holiday. And I think that kind of sums up like, you know, building a business and weaving life in with that. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. And that's why we've taken these risks and it's so that we can can completely build a career in life that we love and the, the types of work that we do now d- they don't ruin a holiday so when I look back at when I was in sort of um, employment I would go on holiday because I needed that holiday and I, I wouldn't even be resting on that holiday I would be recovering like that is the difference um, whereas now if I go away and I might need to take some work with me, like you say, get up, get it done in the morning, and then I can have a really nice afternoon and, and be totally present. I'm not worrying about anything. Um, and it does that my work now doesn't cause any stress for me. So it's not like I need my holiday to escape from a stressful work. Um, it's just changing my environment. And that's the other thing that we've discovered is that the way that we work best is when we do change our environment and we get energy from working in different places. So both of us, we went to Cornwall a few weeks ago and it was so nice to be able to get up and go for a run by the sea. And the sea for me gives me so much energy. It just makes me so present and I find it so relaxing to be around. So then to go back to my accommodation where I was staying and then just get a couple of hours of work done, I got that work done so much quicker from being in a different environment, from being by the sea, which I love. That's my happy place. Um, and then I got to spend the afternoon with my mom doing fun things. So, um, and also that's why we've, we've taken this risk because it is a risk and there are some downsides to being freelance. You have to wear so many hats and you are completely responsible for your income. And, you know, you, ha- you have to kind of maintain a reputation and, um, you know, you don't always feel like showing up, but you kind of have to when you run your own business. Um, so I think we deserve with the negatives, we deserve to have some of the positives where we get to kind of choose our schedule and, and build that exactly how we want to. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think we should go back to the beginning of how you got to where you are now, because I think that will help just to understand, like, you know, like you said, it is, it is a risk, but it is a choice. You've chosen this path, but that's also, you know, it's also been a journey for you. So can you share a little bit more of that journey? Yeah, of course. So I will take you back to the very beginning because I think 
some of my early experiences are quite relevant. So as you said, you said, I started my career interning for free at fashion magazines in London. Um, it was like a chicken or egg situation because you couldn't get a job in journalism without experience. And often you couldn't get experience without previous experience. So it's very much a case of being in the right place at the right time. And you do have to have a little bit of luck to land your first one, which we both did. Um, and I am grateful for that. And I, I didn't know anyone when I moved to London and all of my friends now are from that period in my life where I was interning. Um, I knew it would be tough financially for a few years. So throughout uni, I worked five different jobs to save up for this next step in my life. So yeah, it was a great experience. We got to work on photo shoots, um, prep the pages and go to launches and events. But paying London rent while not earning took a big toll on my health. Um, you know, I, I was barely eating as well, I'm not eating as much as I should have done. I lost two stone in six months. Um, and I would say that I am still unlearning the lessons that I learned about self-worth from that time in my life. I think when you start your career earning literally nothing, I think it can take quite a bit longer to get to where you want to be financially, um, especially now where we're in a position where we quote clients, what we think, you know, uh, what value we can add to their brand when you're coming from a place, even though it was, you know, we're talking 10 years ago now, it's still ingrained in me. Um, and I'm still trying to unlearn that the fact that I wasn't being paid was no reflection on my self-worth. Um, <clears throat> so after that, um, I worked the night shift at a national newspaper. My hours there were at 9 p.m. until 6 a.m. and then longer on the weekends. Um, I remember at this time of my life, I was just so hungry to achieve and succeed. And I would put my career before absolutely anything. You know, I am someone who works better in the morning. I'm not a night owl. So for me to work nights was really challenging, but I did it because I would do anything <laughs> to get a job in journalism. And I didn't really see my friends or family much during that time. Um, on my days off, I would keep my sleeping pattern the same. So I would stay awake all night and then sleep all day. Um, so not seeing very much daylight. I wasn't very fit or healthy at this point. And I would say I took this hustle approach for the next five years or so, um, working at national newspapers and magazines. Um, and then I moved into PR where I worked at an agency, um, when I was there, it was very much an approach of there's always more that you can do. You know, you're never at capacity. If we had an American client, we would just stay late to pitch to different time zones without question or compensation. And, and again, my health suffered. So I was, I knew at this point I was suffering with stress. Um, I actually developed a dysfunctional breathing pattern just from sitting at my desk with tense shoulders, kind of holding my breath and not blinking. I don't know if you've had that <laughs> where you're just under so much pressure. You just forgot, you forget to do these things that normally come naturally to you. Um, so what a dysfunctional breathing pattern is, um, is when your brain sends incorrect signals to your body about when you need air. Um, so I would be sitting at my desk 
after this experience and be really out of breath. And that's because through that period of working at this agency, I would sit at my desk holding my breath. Um, so it just set my breathing completely off balance. Um, again, weight loss, um, hair loss, I would have really intense stomach pains. So I decided I needed to kind of like just take control of my life a little bit and own my time a little bit more. Um, my mum said to me that I, I couldn't leave unless I got another job or had another job lined up. Um, so I just didn't tell her. <laughs> I just quit um, because I had a pull and a feeling that I would be okay. And I felt like I'd been working for maybe six or seven years at this point in employment. And I just wanted to give it a go. I wanted to see if I could do it. Um, and I'm just so glad I did because I've learned so much in the three years that I've been freelance and I just had to take that first step. Um, and I wanted to really unlearn everything that I had learned and kind of take on some of the things that I did enjoy about employment, but also have the opportunity to get rid of anything that I didn't enjoy. And it's just, it is a, a privilege to have that freedom. Um, but obviously it takes a lot of work as well. So when I went freelance, I just wanted to try as many different things as possible to find out exactly what I wanted to do. So I offered so many different services. <laughs> I offered PR, writing, influencer marketing, events, production. And over time, I just cut these different services. And now I only offer storytelling for purpose-driven brands. And that is a service that I love so much. I love speaking to people. I love doing interviews. Um, I love writing. And another reason why I like this style of working is that it's not always on. I'm not very good at having a job where I have to be always on for example things like social media I've done that as a freelancer and I, I salute any social media managers because it is so tough because you can never switch off whereas the work that I do now I research the questions I do the interview I write the piece and when it's done it's done and I can draw a line under it and that's just a style of working that works for me. And so I'm kind of sticking to it. Um, and I think from reading lots of books about work and work ethic and rest ethic, something that I've learned is that it does pay to do one thing well um, and really sort of hone down on that skill. And you become a lot quicker at it and you become a lot better at it. And that's kind of my focus now. And um, yeah, I love it. <laughs> Oh, I'm so happy to hear all of that. Like, <laughs> it's so funny because I obviously knew your journey and your experience, but hearing it put like that, I just, yeah, it's just been such a journey and I'm so proud of you and everything that you've achieved. And I also just wanted to weave in human design because, you know, yes. I love it. Yes. And you're a generator and... The, what you were just describing of how when you first went freelance, you offered all of these different services and you've slowly kind of cut down to copywriting and storytelling. And that is your thing and you love it and it brings you joy. And as a generator, you, if you say, when you say yes to things, only things that bring you joy, opportunities and people will just be magnetized to you. And that is what's happened to you isn't it 
that I just got goosebumps then. That's <laughs> so cool to hear you say that. And because I, I actually do believe that because I um I I don't really pitch for any work. I kind of I guess it's I'm attracting work by just doing one thing well and one thing has led to another that's how I've been finding new clients um which is just a really nice way of getting new clients because I only work with people that I get on really well with and um that make me happy and I feel like I can bring value to their brands and um, and so when I meet new clients through them, I'm meeting another client who's just like them. <laughs> and I guess there is a risk of sounding like an echo chamber, but um, at the same time, I, I just, I just want my work to bring me happiness. That is my priority. Like life is so short um, and I don't want to waste any time being unhappy. So yeah, that's really cool to hear you say that um, because I, I do believe that that is true. When you talked about, the unlearning of things that you learned when you were working in that kind of hustle culture environment. Is there one lesson that you can share that you really had to work on deconditioning and then kind of relearning something that you've now brought into the way you run your business and your freelance business now? Yeah. So I think a big one for me is unlearning the nine to five. Um, the nine to five was brought in in 1926 um, by Henry Ford. And it's a format that we still use today as a way of, I guess, formalizing and giving structure to the working day. But I never work to the nine to five. I try my best to work to my energy levels because our energy naturally dips throughout the, the day. Um, I personally find that I work best first thing in the morning. Um, and then there's a period in the afternoon where my energy completely dips and there is no point in me trying to fight that. That is just my natural energy level. Um, and so it's much more beneficial for me to go for a walk during that time. Time. And then my energy goes up again around four o'clock. So then I can log back on. Um, it's just a much more productive way of me working. And I get much more done in that time when I am intentional with my time and I'm kind of recognizing when I am feeling tired and there's no point in me just bashing the keyboard, trying to get more done. I might as well just go for a walk. So we recently got a puppy and when we first got her, she was quite distracting. As you can imagine, she's a puppy. She's got so much energy. She was running around, like playing with her toys, chewing things that she shouldn't be chewing. And um, the first sort of week or so of having her, I would try and just work while she was being really disruptive in the background. And the, the outcome of that was that I wasn't being fully present with our puppy and I also wasn't being fully present with my work so everything was suffering <laughs> and then the next week I I decided that I would try and be a bit more intentional with my time so when she was up and energetic and playing with things I would also play with her and she would get better quality playtime with me and she would actually tire out more quickly because I was playing with her and then when she was asleep, I would have some intentional focused work time. And actually, I got far more done working in that way. 
um, than I did the previous week when I was just trying to just like bash away at my keyboard with with all the all of these distractions going on around me. I just found that really interesting, and I know that we've spoken about that before, but. And that can be applied with anything. It can be applied to your energy levels or if you've got children. Um, I know a lot of my friends who have children, they do a lot of their work while their kids are asleep in the evening. So it's it very much is about being intentional with your time rather than rigid. You know, you have to be working between the hours of nine to five because that's just an arbitrary time that's been made up by someone called Henry Ford. I think also to add to that, one thing that I have learned is exactly what you just said is if it feels forceful, then it's not working. It's not good. It's not a good use of your time. It's not a good use of your energy and to really listen and honor that. And that's not always easy. Is it like, you know, when you have all of this conditioning from working in that kind of corporate hustle culture way, it's not always easy to say, no, this feels really forceful. And I know this is not good for me and productive. And then to go on a walk, like you Mm. said, or, you know, just take yourself away. A hundred percent. And it it comes back to as well, when we want to take a break or take a holiday, it's so important to have that time off and to have that really healthy rest ethic. You know, I read this book called, um, time off how to achieve uh, success without stress and it's so interesting because it puts the emphasis on rest ethic rather than work ethic and when you kind of switch that on its head you actually work so much better the quality goes up your productivity goes up so I think there really should be less emphasis on you know putting in as many hours as possible um that doesn't necessarily always correlate to results so I think we should be prioritizing the quality of work rather than the quantity of work yeah absolutely your anti-hustle hustle club podcast and book in progress do you have because I know in all of your episodes you ask your guests what anti-hustle means to them and do you have any lessons that you've learned or you know stand out kind of quotes that you've heard along the way from when you've been recording mm. that you can share with us yeah so there's two people who always stand out um the first one is Hector Hughes he is the co-founder of um Unplugged which are digital detox cabins based an hour outside of London and they So Hector and his co-founder, Ben, set up the company because they were growing frustrated with their inability to switch off. Um, They were both working at a tech startup and both experienced burnout um, and they were clocking up like 14 hours of screen time a day. Um, They were just completely addicted to their phones. So the idea behind these cabins is it's getting busy city people off their phones and into nature. And these cabins are beautiful. They're just, they're made up of, you know, they've got timber cladding on the outside, floor to ceiling window. So it really feels like you're in nature. And they kind of looked at what people use their phones for and they found the analog alternative. So inside the cabin, there's um, 
a paper map, you've got a compass, you've got a radio, there's a Polaroid camera, and it, it's all set up to help people slow down. And his rule, we always ask our guests to add a rule to our rule book. And his was do less, but do it better. And that kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier about focusing on the quality of time, not the quantity of time. So that really resonated with me. Um, and then the other guests that we had was someone called Tom Deere, who is the founder of a coffee company called Daybreak. Um, and he is also a graphic designer. He's a freelance graphic designer. Um, he's a perfectionist. And so I completely resonated with what he was saying. I'm a massive perfectionist as well. And so one of my questions to him was how with graphic design and anything sort of creative, it can sometimes feel like it's never done. There's always more work that you can do or improve it. So my question was, how do you get to a point where you realize that the work is done and you send it to a client? And he said that he went through a phase of spending way too long on all of his projects. And so he had to come up with a rule uh, for himself where if a piece of work was at least a seven out of 10, he would submit the work to his client. And the reason for that is because sometimes you can overwork something to the point where you actually end up making it worse. And so he kind of brought in this rule and actually more often than not, the clients came back and said, yeah, this is exactly what we were looking for. Um, and you can always phrase it in a way that you can say like, this is an early draft. I wanted to pause and get your feedback before I work on it anymore. Um, and I've actually started doing that with my writing. And again, more often than not, people come back and say, yeah, perfect. And then you feel good about it because you're submitting a piece that you think is seven out of 10, not 10 out of 10, and it's still getting good feedback. And then the other thing is you're not spending more time on it than you need to. So you're being very efficient with your time and and if the client does come back with uh, feedback, it might be taking you in a different direction than you would have gone had you continued working on it in your own head. Um, so that's something that really sort of resonated and stuck with me. Um, his rule as well. I always remind myself as, of his rule, which is be where your feet are. Um, and it's something that I use quite a lot when I have a lot of things on. Um, and sometimes my mind can just get so distracted by the rest of my to-do list. I struggle to focus on what I'm working on now. Um, and equally at the same time, when I'm not at work, when I'm spending time with my friends or family, I'm still thinking about work. So, and it's important to work both ways with this. So be where your feet are with the project that you're working on at that given moment just focus on doing one thing well at a time before you move on to the next thing. And then again, when you're with your family and friends and enjoying your rest time, be where your feet are when you're enjoying your rest time. Otherwise you're not ever fully resting. You're not ever fully switching off. So when you come back to your work, you don't feel refreshed. So I think it works both ways. And that's why I really liked that rule um, because it applies to work and life. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a really good one. Yeah. Being grounded, being present. If your mind's, you know, still thinking about work in your, in your rest time, then you're not 
actually switching off and then you won't come exactly. back feeling refreshed and yeah I also really relate to the perfectionism one mm-hmm. because well, I call myself a recovering perfectionist but <laughs> and, and I think this really really applies to building a business and creating a brand because often we have an idea in our head of what we want it to look like you know and that's just the visuals and then you've got the whole like work behind the scenes of like the strategy and everything but like you said if it's a seven out of ten your seven out of ten that might be someone else's ten out of ten and yeah everyone has a different version of what perfection is so actually perfect doesn't exist so yeah now my motto is just get it out there. <laughs> like it's not really a motto. It's just a, <laughs> like unfinished yeah. is better than perfect. hundred percent done is better than perfect. I love that so much. <laughs> new quote, new rule for your book. Yeah. <laughs> Can you share one lesson that you've learned about building your business and going freelance that you would like to share for others who are thinking about either going freelance or or who are building their business on the side? Yeah. So this actually comes back to when I was employed and I wasn't yet a manager yet. And the person who I was in the meeting with said that I was too nice to be, to be a manager. And that just didn't sit well with me because I don't think you have to be cutthroat to get ahead in business. Um, I think it is possible to be successful and be nice. And so actually her saying that to me has kind of just fueled my fire. <laughs> and it's it's kind of just really motivated me to be nice to people. I think um, if you stick around long enough that people will remember that you're nice um, and they'll want to hire you because at the end of the day, we spend so much time with the people that we work with um, and people want to work with nice people. They want to work with people that they know they'll get on with. So um, that is one sort of one of the main lessons that I've learned is that, you know, be nice. People will remember you for that and people will want to work with you for that. Um, The other thing that I've learned is the importance of communication and honesty I think people are more forgiving than we realize. And when things go wrong, people want to know about it. They'd rather know about it and you be honest with them than you try and maybe cover it up or, you know, use smoke and mirrors or whatever. It's just like, just be upfront. Like people don't have time to mess around. And um, I think people will respect you a lot more if you just like are honest about things and um things will always go wrong um you know there's so many things that are out of our control but what you can control is how you respond to things um and then the last thing that I've learned is that health really does come first I think when I was going through my experience from interning to working at magazines to agencies and then going freelance throughout that period I've had experience of my health declining, whether I've lost weight or I'm suffering with stress and I can see the signs like my hair falling out. Um, that's not something that we should accept, um, as just part and parcel of like being successful in work. I think you can have 
your health and be successful. And actually, the healthier you are, the more successful you will be. Because if you start your day by going for a run, your mind will just work so much better throughout the day. You'll be more focused. You'll be more energized. I find if I start my day without doing any sort of movement or without getting outside, I'm just groggy. Like I don't have any energy for it. And then I've got to sit down all day and you just feel very lethargic. So, um, I think health should always come first. You know, I've worked in jobs before where you had to take annual leave to book a doctor's appointment. Like what is that teaching people about their health? Um, so yeah, no matter how busy you are, I think your health should always come first. Thank you so much for sharing all of those great tips. And that is just ridiculous, isn't it? To book annually to go to a doctor's appointment. Hustle culture at its worst. (laughs) And I just want to also pick up on the being too nice. And I feel like this could be another episode for another time um, because I also have had a similar experience. And personally, I think that that is... hustle culture again you know like people saying you can't be nice you can't be like you have to be aggressive you have to be um you know like cutthroat to be a good manager to be good at your job and that just isn't true and you've proved that by you know being nice and and having clients and working with people and being nice and it just is toxic to tell people things like that I think a hundred percent. And I think the other thing is that we should treat everyone as individuals. So, um, I am not very good at thinking of things on the spot. So I'm, I actually struggle through interviews, so I'm quite out of my comfort zone right now, but, um, I think it's such an important topic and I'm really happy to be talking about it. Um, but I've been told before in meetings in front of the client, that I'm not very good at thinking on the spot. And now, like that really got to me at the time. I was so embarrassed, but now I just own it. And if someone asks me a question and I don't know the answer, I'll just say, I need a bit more time to think about this and I'll come back to you. And then that gives me an opportunity to go away, think about it, put together my answer and respond in a way that I feel happy and confident with. And actually, A lot of my clients now, when I start working with them, I do tell them things like that just so that they know the kind of person that I am and the way that I work. And everyone is so (laughs) fine with it. It doesn't matter. And then the other thing is um, I'm much better speaking one-on-one with people than I am in a big group. Um, So if I do find myself in a group situation, I always find out what the agenda is so that I can prepare beforehand so that I don't find that I'm ever put on the spot or I don't know what we're doing or what the purpose of the meeting is. And it helps to kind of, whoever is leading that meeting, it helps for them to know how I feel in that situation because otherwise I might not say a word in that meeting, but if they do know how I feel in a group situation, they can create that space for me to kind of share my ideas and things. And I don't want that to come across as me sounding like a diva or anything like that. It's just who I am. And I think there is space for everyone in the work environment, everyone, everyone's different sort of personality traits, ways of working and what they feel comfortable and uncomfortable with. And I think 
as a manager, you have a responsibility to create an environment where everyone feels safe, everyone feels valued and that they can share their ideas and they are like sort of appreciated. And um, so, yeah, I think it's really important to treat everyone as individuals. And the other thing, just one more thing on this um, is that it's okay to reflect and learn from mistakes. So uh, when I've worked with clients um, in an agency before, we didn't want to talk about any mistakes. Like we would cover them up. Like, um, so one of the things I did when I went freelance, if I worked on a project, I would always at the end of the project say what went well. And then I would also kind of open a, a discussion on what we could do better because I think there's always an opportunity to learn and reflect. I think we should always pause after projects and, and cause otherwise you end up just doing things the same way that you've always done them, but actually having that conversation on what we could do better is only going to move you forward. It's only going to improve the quality of the work that you produce. So I actually put emphasis on that now and the conversations that we have are so much better as a result. Yeah. Growth mindset. You see, yeah, you know, exactly. you see failure. It's failure is not a thing. It's always a learning. Also, I completely agree with what you were saying about managers having a responsibility to take into account everyone's different personalities and characters and extroverts and introverts are, you know, the way that they process information and communicate is quite different. So extroverts will think out loud, typically will think out loud and introverts usually will kind of process on the inside before they say anything. So if you imagine like a group of people in the workplace and you've got like an open discussion, the extroverts are going to be thinking out loud. So they're going to be coming up with all of the ideas and then the introverts will be processing on the inside. But by the time they're ready to actually communicate those things, all the ideas have been said. And so usually workplaces where they don't allow for that, you know, the extroverts are the people who are seen as good at their jobs and good at coming up with ideas. And then they get promotions because of that. And it's not really a fair balance. So yeah, I really um, think that that is such an important point. Yeah. There's um, (laughs) one of my favorite memes that we've shared on our Instagram account. Count. I'm just going to get it up right now because yeah. it always makes me laugh. Um, okay, so let me just try and describe this. It's like a cartoon strip and it shows the hustler getting a medal put on and he's like biting the medal and he's like kissing an attractive girl and he's like swearing and shouting. And then the final um, square of the comic strip is um, shows the hustler in third place, the skilled introvert in second place, and then the actual expert in first place. (laughs) And it's just so funny because it's like prizes to whoever shouts the loudest, but actually we need to be creating that space so that everyone can shine. You need to send that to me and then I'm going to put it in the show notes (laughs) because you've described it and now everyone listening can (laughs) can go and have a look at it. (laughs) So where can people find you? Yeah, so I am on Instagram. My handle is super simple. It's just Harriet Osborne. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. And then you can find me on my website, which is just harrietosborne.com. Super simple and easy. 
So that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I would love to hear from you. Tag both me and Harriet on Instagram and your stories with a screenshot of this episode. Send me a DM with your thoughts or leave a review on this podcast wherever you're listening to it. I'm so grateful for your feedback and reviews. They really, really help to get this podcast in front of more people so that I can help them with their side business journey or just doing life in general without the hustle. So I hope you have a good rest of your day and I will see you next week.